Hello and welcome to a new episode of our podcast Micro Monthly. My name is Hans Tegenman and with me are investment strategist Maritza Cabezas and Jori de Wilde. Together we discuss current economic topics and political developments and how they relate to sustainability. The rain season seems to have started here in the Netherlands after a hot, sunny and dry summer in Europe. For the global economy, the sun is also hard to find. Recession risks, higher interest rates, declining equity markets and still high inflation dominate the headlines. Enough to discuss about macroeconomic environment. And of course, we do it together with Maritza Yuri, And we have a special guest. We have our new colleague Ernst Hopma. And he will play the role of the critical listener like you are. And we don't know, but probably he will ask some questions and, and has his own opinions. Today, we zoom especially in into recessions, a local, a global recession. What does it mean, a recession for the average person? And of course, we have our standard items about data of the month and the frustration of the month. Maritza, Yuri, Ernst, let's start. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Pretty busy. We've been working on the latest uh, outlooks, of course, for uh, both emerging markets and advanced economies. So, um, working the weekend. Work in the weekend. Yeah. And um, that's kind of normal in every country. Labor markets are very tight. Yeah. So you're just a normal average person <laughs> in a Western economy. It, it, it appears that way. Yeah. That, that's also what I saw, of course, when I dived into the numbers that labor markets are still very tight. So that's positive. That's a positive uh, So also thing. the outlook is positive. That's one of the few bright spots in the outlook for advanced economies. If you dive in a bit more, you can see, of course, that clearly still... Inflation is uh, surging across the advanced economies. We see that economic activity is slowing. So the labor market is really the bright spot for uh, advanced economies. Yeah, so bright spot. Maritza, what's your bright spot? Well, related to, uh, let's say, the, the weekend, maybe I can share that I went, because when the weather is not good, it's always nice to go to a museum. And so I went to a museum in Laren. Mm -hmm. And they have an exhibition, which I highly recommend. It's called The New Frau, The New Woman. Mm -hmm. And basically, I felt pretty good that all these women, there was a lot of portraits of women, had done a lot to allow me to now sit here and work and be also a mom. Because actually in the Netherlands, yeah, until the 1950s or so, women were not allowed to work when yep. they married. It's a very nice exhibition. Yeah, I recommend it. It's culture and it's about emancipation, which is also very important. But let, let's also talk about the, the global economy. This was a bright spot for you, but looking at emerging markets, is there anything positive to mention there? Well, Hans, as you already mentioned, we're preparing the macroeconomic outlook. And I guess there were some bright spots and maybe I can start with the bright spots. I found that in Asia, some countries like, for example, Indonesia, or even Malaysia, for example, are growing at rates of around 5%. Mm -hmm. And their inflation levels are relatively low in comparison with other emerging economies. And basically, as commodity exporters, they're actually dealing quite well with this global slowdown. That shows that diversification in emerging markets is a topic still, mm -hmm. and that we have to be aware that there are economies which are still performing well, and which offer opportunities, yeah. I guess. Yeah, the diversification, commodity exporters, they, they are doing well. And you said economic slowdown. Uh, Yuri, if we go to the global economy, um, mm. do we expect a recession, a global recession? 
at the moment, we still don't expect a global recession until the end of 2023. We do see that the global economy is slowing down. And uh, we also now do expect recessions for the Eurozone and the UK. In fact, we already think that the UK is in a recession as we speak. But you see a lot of comments about global recession. Mm -hmm. Why are we not foreseeing it? Or is, is a global recession something which is very extreme? Yes, a global recession is something that is very extreme because you have to have a combined severe slowdown of growth across uh, the major economies. Mm -hmm. We don't expect that at the moment. Why do you see that people are mentioning a global recession? Well, that's mainly got to do with central bank tightening and uh, financial conditions that are tightening because of it. But usually central bank policy works with a lag. So it can be that, for instance, we don't expect a recession now in the US, but that one or two years ahead, we do expect a recession, but not in the forecasted horizon. Yeah, and that's, that's also, I think, one of the news items of the last month is, of course, uh, a central banking policy and, and also the firmness by which they are hiking at the moment. Yeah. I think also it, it was not completely in our forecast. No, we've uh, upwardly revised our interest rate forecast because central banks have been more aggressive uh, than we have assumed until recently. Yeah. yeah. This was very short about the global economy, and I think the conclusion is... Of course, there are always bright spots somewhere, but in general, we are not that optimistic. Also, given central banking policies, still the high inflation, still the war going on in the Ukraine. We didn't touch upon it, but it's not a nice story. My frustration of the month. This is my favorite topic. And there's a lot to be frustrated about. Uh, Yuri already mentioned it. The uh, UK is already in recession and UK policy is really adding to that. Uh, last week, the new trust government announced a policy package which you could call trickle-down economics. Trickle-down economics is the idea that if the, the rich get richer, it will trickle down in terms of prosperity to the rest of the economy. So what they did, the top tariff of the income taxes reduced from 45 to 40%. They did some other stuff also in the housing markets, mostly benefiting the rich people, costs in total 50 billion Euro, I think. And the market reaction was, and I'm glad that the markets react like that because I think it's also stupid. The market reaction was the pound all-time low, I think, and also the interest rates are going dramatically up in the UK. This is a very, very stupid idea. They still think neoliberal policies can work. There is no academic proof for it so conceptually it's a bad idea but also empirically there are a lot of studies also from the imf that show that it does not work is any one of you think it's a good idea Ernst? no no absolutely <laughs> not no and, and i think it's astonishing as well that i mean the democratic basis is so thin which uh, maybe is not the most macroeconomic topic to discuss but it is an astonishing feature i think in this particular reform yeah maybe just to add some food for thought I agree with you, but I think we shouldn't rule out, let's say, tax reduction in all cases. What I'm referring to is, I remember when I studied economics, I had to study the Laffer curve. Mm -hmm. And that was basically that the higher your tax rate, the lower your tax revenues, actually. Mm -hmm. So at a certain level of taxes, when they're too high, people simply stop paying taxes. Do I think that in any way, let's say, the, the measures taken in the UK were right? Well, I would be very reserved in, in saying yes, in the sense that right now we're also going through a global economic slowdown. 
And so any measure that you take, if it's in uncharted territory, will cause a lot of stress in markets. Mm -hmm. And a package as the one that was recently released is obviously going to cause a lot of uncertainty, more added to what already was ongoing. I guess my observation is, in some cases, it may be actually convenient but not probably, it's it's not the moment You're now. You're very mild and political, Maritza. <laughs> I think it's a it's an outrageous and stupid idea. And as you a fact, <laughs> the, the Bank of England agrees with you because they have also signaled that maybe uh, it is working against their policy to contain inflation. So they've already signaled that maybe they have to increase their next uh, hike size mm-hmm. to cover for the increase in the fiscal uh, impulse. Yeah. So... Yeah. I, I don't I, know if it's a good idea. Yeah, I Maybe. agree. I agree. And I think that the context where policies are made, and I guess that's the point that we should also reflect on, that in unstable environments where global inflation is still too high, that we have to be very cautious about what type of measures are being implemented. Okay, that, I think that's a good topic, but I want to round off this part about my frustration. I can stress it again why this is a frustration. This is very bad politics and still in this timing uh, neoliberal policies Mm -hmm. I thought we have had that but still not let's go to our topic about recessions and well-being and I was thinking Maritza what you just said about you have to think in this timing if you have central banks hiking and they do this for a reason and maybe one of the reasons is to create an economic slowdown and on the other hand we have governments implementing fiscal policies to help their citizens, especially in energy poverty. And if we take those two, where will it go? Will this work? We have contradicting policies, more or less, again. But we also have a chance or probably a recession in the Eurozone. And in the end, in also in the US, we might get a recession if they hike and hike. So how mm. do you... So, But maybe first, um, because... We often get questions about uh, what a recession is and how you must see it, given ordinary people. Can one of you explain how we must see recessions in general? Yeah, let me give it a shot, Hans. There is, let's say, a popular definition for countries. Mm -hmm. And then a recession would be when you have two consecutive quarters of negative growth rate. As simple as that. But when you go, let's say, to the academic level, then the definition becomes a bit more complex because, for example, in the U.S., there's a group of uh, very eminent uh, thinkers that gather together in the National Bureau of Research. Research, And then they are asked, is the country in a recession? And basically what they do there is they uh, look at a whole range of indicators, whether it be consumption, whether it be employment, whether it be industrial production, And they put them all in line and they say, well, is the country in a recession? And sometimes the country is still growing at low levels, but they say we are in a recession. And they they did that at the start of the COVID crisis. There were no two consecutive quarters of a recession, but they called it a recession. And they did the other thing beginning of this year that we had two consecutive quarters negative growth. And they said it's not a recession. Right. Absolutely. I I think the main two points then were consumption was still holding up well and the labor market was very tight. So those were the two arguments then to not call it a recession, although there were two consecutive quarters of negative growth. And if we would do this thought experiment for the European economy at this moment. Mm -hmm. So we, we haven't seen 
negative growth for the, the eurozone. Not uh, yet. Not yet. But we see energy poverty on the one hand. We see uh, tight labor markets, but we see consumer confidence very low. So all the confidence indicators are, uh, sentiment indicators are low. Yeah. If you would be in the National Bureau of Economic Research for the Eurozone, would this be a recession? Yeah, in my opinion, it would be a recession, but then starting next quarter. The difference is that in the beginning of the year for the US, consumption was still holding up. And mm-hmm. now the recession in the Eurozone is caused by a fall in the private consumption. So that's the key difference. And that means that there is a cost of living squeeze and that is affecting uh, the ordinary uh, households. And that's why... Poverty is increasing and a recession is basically poverty, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah and maybe another part of recession, so this is the technical definition to consecutive quarters of negative growth and you can have a different opinion on it if you're very important and sitting on one of the, the boards. <laughs> you have also big difference between countries because I, uh, let's say 10 years ago, if the, the Chinese growth would be less than 7%, it was a severe crisis. Maritza, especially in emerging markets, there's a huge difference in, in, in what's normal growth and what's what then should be a recession. And it's not always negative growth. Well, I think China is, is a very good example. China was growing at double-digit growth rates uh, some time ago. And obviously at that time, when we would think, when will China's slowdown matter? We thought probably at levels of around 3%. And what are we, today we are at those levels, and this should have been already a big shock for the global economy. And it is not the case. And then the question is, is China also in a slowdown that is meaningful enough for the rest of the world? And I guess the answer there is no, because China has pockets of risk, let's say. The property market is clearly one of them. But it is also having uh, quite low inflation and uh, it is also having a government that has still tools, Mm -hmm. but is very cautious in in using them. I think that's a difference from the global financial crisis in 2007, 2008, when China simply pumped through investments its weight out of the crisis. And right now it's not willing to do that. And are things improving in China? Is the economy getting better at these lower growth rates? In a way, yes, because the building simply buildings or roads that lead to nowhere probably was not the best recipe. So now they're taking a step back and they're trying to make their growth more widespread. And this uh, takes a lot of guts to do this, I guess. But it's something that I'm watching closely and with a lot of interest. Yeah. And maybe, Yuri, another side of the spectrum is, of course, Japan. We talk about it quite often that growth is not, but also inflation is is not so high there. And still the living standard is okay, I would say. It's, It's still a rich country. That They have very high living standards. So is is a recession in in Japan a problem then? Uh not to the same extent that it is as it is in other countries. And you can also see that Japanese uh, growth has been subdued for uh, many years, but uh, we've also seen that the population is declining. So if you calculate uh, the GDP growth per person, per capita, then you can see that it's actually pretty okay-ish. Yep. So that means that on average, people are not becoming more poor. So the country-wide GDP growth, that's not uh, telling the entire story. Yeah. Uh, 
No, and you, and you know, that's not for this podcast, but I, I think we have to think about degrowth, so a shrinking of the economy, but also in Japan we see the problem, because if you have very low growth, you see the the debt still rising, which is in Japan also not a problem, because all the debt is in the hand of the Japanese citizens, so they stay all on the same island and you don't have a problem. But it's still something we should think about, especially in aging societies where population shrinks then you have less economic activity and that's yeah. that's another challenge uh, that's that's um aging healthy if you age healthy there's less cost to it and people yeah. can work for a longer period of time so that's that's part of the solution and that's investing in all sorts of health measures yeah so to run this part off in terms of um Recessions, we discussed it from a few angles. We have different kinds of recessions. And we also said before, a global recession is something that's not that's unique. We, we've seen it in COVID times. But I think in the financial crisis, it was not a global recession because of China, if I remember well. I don't know. Maybe it was a recession. Uh, well, we have to look it up. Ernst also doesn't know. No, I, th I think it wasn't a recession. No. And I think On the global partly level. because, I mean, China got back yep. all their mortgage-backed securities in time. Yeah. They got yep. that early. Yeah, and I think we have also a home bias in Europe because here we have the biggest troubles now and then we think it's all over the place in the rest of the world, which is not always the case. To some extent it is the case, but not always. Let's go to the other item, data of the month, our last item. Last month, and we had to look it up, what did we do? We tried to predict gas prices. And we said to make it ourselves... European gas prices. European gas price. And to make it easy, we said it will be higher or lower than at that moment. And that was almost at the peak, 325 megawatt per hour. Maritza said up, Yuri said down, and it is down. It is down. Severely down. Severely down. I think it's it's 40%, 50% down now. Yeah, it's uh, below 200 now. Okay. Yeah, but in the past week, just to save a little my image, yeah. in the past week, it has been moving sideways. And uh, that <laughs> has to do with all the the the, the announcements made from uh, Yeah, so the, 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 the energy caps and, and all the... the so new... we have found a new floor, let's say. Yeah, let's hope so. We can do this every month, but it's better maybe to go to a different topic. But it's it will still be important for the months to come how energy prices will go we see not only energy prices have come down but i think almost all commodity prices have come down since the peak so that's i think in general good news for the world economy yes although part of the reasons why the energy price and commodity price has come down is it has to do with recession fears <laughs> so it's also it's true and also still some part of these high energy prices have to have to work their way through the economy so yeah. you can still face higher costs yeah. later on okay so Yuri, congratulations. Thank you. You won again... Um, a glass of water. A glass of water. Oh, you're very... <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that was my experience uh, until recently. Okay. Yeah, you won, of course, always. No, no. just <laughs> the, the first two times. And I, it, it came from a bottle of wine to yeah. a glass to, of water. To a glass Maybe of water. Okay. A glass of warm water now. <laughs> uh, that's expensive. That's warm expensive yeah. these days. Okay, new topic. This weekend were the elections in Italy... We've seen the right-wing parties win. And we saw immediately a reaction in the financial markets. We saw what we call the, the, the spread. So the 10-year the interest rates of Italy over that of uh, Germany. We saw that spread. So that interest rate differential moving up to 247.5 at this moment. And that was before the summer, the reason 
that same spread to introduce a new program for central banks, the so-called TPI. You know it, what the abbreviation is, mm-hmm. Yuri? Yeah, to protect Italy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's not the official one. The official one is... Transmission Protection Transmission Instrument. Pro- protection is- Instrument, but yeah. it's, the, it's the instrument to intervene in the markets to mitigate the, the spread uh, between uh, different countries in the Eurozone. And at the same time, hike the interest rates. So the big question is, because this is this is important, what's going to happen. Um, hopefully in Italy, there will be a very unstable cabinet, which is kind of... So there will be no policy. That would be good news for financial markets, I think. But it could also be that this new government will go into discussion on a lot of measures, uh, like uh, Mario Draghi, the, the former prime minister, uh, was really trying to push a kind of technocratic agenda, which all economists, almost all economists, thought was positive for the Italian economy. So this might turn out uh, another way. So the question is, how will it go? And next month we come back to this spread. And the question to you two is, how will that go? Well... My guess is that the spread will continue to rise, unfortunately. So that that shows um, more risks as perceived by the financial markets for uh, Mm -hmm. Italy and for the uh, financial stability in the Eurozone. Because if you've listened a little bit to what plans are for the new uh, potential new government in Italy, it's not boding well for the Eurozone. The risks of financial stability are rising. And then on top of that, we know that the Eurozone is on the brink of a recession. So that means that there will already be lots of issues for the near-term Eurozone economy. And on top of that, this new government in Italy will create more uh, more dangers. Okay, Marissa, then there's only one option for you left. Then there's only one option, but let's put it this way. I think that there will be a lot of instability and we will see a lot mm-hmm. of volatility in the spread. But I do also think that no dramatic announcements will be made. Uh, Leaving the Eurozone, for example, that's completely out of the cards. But obviously to reach agreements in a coalition that has uh, different perceptions of what should be done, there will be volatility. But I, I aim to say that this is what the people wanted. And so markets will have to learn to to live with uh, this type of government. Yeah, okay. But you're not thinking that TPI will be used to diminish the spread, so mm-hmm. that we really protect Italy, that that will be the I reason that you're right? That's, that's the question. Will, yeah. will they, when will they use it? And yeah, that's, yeah, I, that's yeah I, think, I think we still have members that are very uh, conservative, let's say, and who want Italy to do the homework. So I think... Uh, they will only use it in exceptional cases. Okay, okay then we, we have our, our special guest, and I think we, this, this will be the waiting to your argument. Mm. Ernst, what, what do you think? He's also an, an uh, Italy specialist, I'm uh, told, Ernst. Oh, well, right? that's, that's, a, that's a lovely title to have. I'm not sure I've earned that. <laughs> but um, I, I think indeed TPI, whether it's going to be employed, is going to be very important. I'm also keen to see what, I mean this new prime minister, if, if a government is formed, is going to do, right? Yeah. What we have in the UK is a central bank trying to hike interest rates and that's what we're going to have in Europe. But we might now also have a government in Italy that's going to announce increased spending or yeah. a decrease in tax and that would prove a really nasty cocktail. But I want a so, bet from you. Oh, yeah. I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah, no, I, I think that. the spread's going to rise. The spread's going to rise. Okay, we'll come back to it next month. If you want to know more about what we think, uh, read our outlooks. They're live on our website. And thanks for listening. Don't forget to tune in next time and subscribe to our channel, Inside Impact Investing, and let us know what you think. Thanks. Thanks.